Welcome to Thawhead. Welcome to another episode of Thought Hack. Um, really quick shout out to our sponsors, Catalyst Case. I, I don't know where to start because um, when I initially looked into you, the first thing that popped out at me was dentist, but that almost seems very reductive. You do so much. You're a best-selling author. You're an entrepreneur. You're uh, you're into uh, philanthropy. You you do so much for charity. In a world where I guess titles matter, how do you identify yourself? I mean, you're also like a TV personality. Like, what do you think of when you do you go to dentist automatically? Wow, that's first of all, I love the the reductive that that no one's ever used that. Um, and it, it, what a, I mean. You know, when you ask me, you know, how would I introduce myself? It's usually situationally de- dependent. You know, I mean, like when I'm in front of, you know, a thousand kids at my lead program, I'm coach. You know, when I'm with my children, I'm dad. You know, when I'm with my family, I'm Dr. Bill. <laughs> when I'm with my friends, I'm Will or Bill. Well, you know, I, I guess if I were standing in front of an audience of all different kinds of people, probably the the, the most appropriate inter- introduction would be Dr. Bill Dorfman. Um, mm-hmm. But not because I'm a dentist. I mean, that's just p- part of my name, I guess, now. I'm actually... Dr. Sir William Michael Dorfman. I'm the first dentist ever to be knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine. So I'm actually an official knight. Um, So, I mean, if you want to be fancy schmancy, we could go there. But, you know, for you and I in this conversation, you could call me Bill or Dr. Bill, whatever makes you happy. I appreciate it, Bill. I mean... I I don't know. Overachiever comes to mind because knighted is that's a big deal. That's awesome. How'd that feel? It was an it, whenever I, I I've had twenty lifetime achievement awards and it, it's always an out of body experience. And last night was particularly cool because my dear lifetime friend and I say lifetime because we met when I was. 14 and she was 15 we were neighbors we went to junior high and high school together um we went to college together we were on the cheerleading squad together um we've been best best friends for 50 years now um dr marianne gauchy was inducted into a medical hall of fame and called a legend and they gave me the honor of introducing her and uh, I loved being able to share what I'm going to share with you now in that, uh, you know, I met this woman when I was 14 and she was so exceptionally exceptional that she took my, my, my breath away 
constantly. I, I, I mean, I, I've never seen I, people call me an overachiever. I'm dwarfed next to her. And the thing that made our relationship so special to me in so many ways is that she always achieved these incredible pinnacles. And so I just followed her. You know, it's like when Marianne did this, I did it. When Marianne did that, I did that. And there were a few times I didn't think it would happen, and it did. Um, the biggest one was UCLA graduation. So Marianne's a year older than me, and she graduated and went off to medical school. She won the Outstanding Senior Award at UCLA. That's a big deal with a class of 10,000 students. No, that's amazing. And you know, I'm like, all right, if this happens, and and it did, and it was it was a mind blowing experience, you know. And the funny thing about getting named outstanding senior in this class is, my parents, you know, people always say like, Doctor Bill, what what drives you? Like, you know, how did your pay? my parents had nothing to do with this? Like zero. They had no clue. But when I got into UCLA, my parents were like, we're sitting at dinner. I opened up. I'm like, you guys, I got into UCLA. They're like, oh, that's great. Like, they didn't even know I applied. I feel like when my kids got into college, I got into college with them. You know, like I wrote the essays with them. I, you know, it was a whole different experience. And so I get this letter telling me that that I won outstanding senior. So I call home and dad answers. I'm like, dad, put mom on the phone. I want you both on here. And um, they're like, mom, dad, you you won't believe this. And they're like, what? I said, I, I just found out, you know, like Marianne last year, I, I, I got awarded outstanding senior. My mom says, what's not to believe? I'm like, no, mom, there's 10,000 students in the class she says darling do you really think there's somebody better i'm like mom he, my parents have no clue but they're like okay that's nice you know so then we go to the awards ceremony and my mom's like wow this is like a big deal i'm like i'm telling you but it's it's just i don't know what it is inside me that drives me to push and push and push for more, but it, it kind of, it, 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 I don't know. It, it's, it's the excitement of, of excelling and doing things that makes, makes life so much fun for me. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you about that because after a certain point, I feel like people have these milestones they create or these goals they create in their heads. And it's like, once you reach a certain pinnacle, I think a lot of people get there and they're like, hey, I made it. I'm satisfied. And they kind of settle in. Whereas it just seems like every time you do something amazing or you do something great, I mean, I could list any one of your achievements. And I think a lot of people would be good with that. And you you kind of just keep going and then you do the next thing and you do the next thing. And you you've excelled at so many different things that I think a lot of people would have just settled for. So you say you don't know what drives you, but there has to be some sort of motivation that gets you up and gets you going or pushes you to want the next thing or to achieve the next goal or to do something new. 
I think it's just exciting to be open and you never know. It's like, you're right. You know, I mean, I went outstanding senior and you'd be like, wow, you know, then I go to dental school and, you know, I open up a phenomenal practice and then ABC puts me as the featured dentist on ABC's hit show, Extreme Makeover. The first time dentistry is ever highlighted in a natural light. And basically what I do is I use each thing as a springboard to the next thing. So what did I do with that? I, you know, I launched Zoom. You know, I invented Zoom tooth whitening and we we made that a multi-million dollar company. And then I wrote a New York Times bestseller. You know, when I was approached by the publishing company, they said, you know, we want you to write a book. I said, no, I'm not writing a book. I'm writing a New York Times bestseller. We're not doing this. So I hired somebody to teach me what I needed to know to do a New York Times bestseller. And at that time, it was super easy. Basically, you needed to sell 20,000 copies of your book in the first two weeks to be a New York Times bestseller. Well, at the time, my company, Discus Dental, was selling dental products to 100,000 dentists a month. And it turns out that exactly 20,000 dentists were our A and B dentists. So I said, what if I just buy the book and ask them to, you know, make a donation and buy some more and all the money is going to go to children's charity anyhow? They said, that works. So I become an overnight New York Times bestseller. And, you know, and we raised $30,000 for children's charities. So it wasn't just a win. It was a win, win, win. But, you know, I, I think the thing that I love to do is to, you know, we'll talk about Leap in a little bit. But, you know, I, I love to teach students how to be successful. And when kids attend my Leap program, if they only walk away with these two things, I feel like I've succeeded. Number one, don't wait for opportunities in life. Make them. And number two, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it. Master it. And there's a big difference. You know, when ABC put me on Extreme Makeover, I stunk. <laughs> I mean, really bad. Like the dentistry, yeah, I could do that in my sleep. But TV, no way. You know, I didn't have training. I didn't have media training. I didn't know how to talk to a camera. I didn't know how to get an audience to emote when I was explaining cases. And so instead of getting fired, I realized how bad I was. I hired the best media trainer in the world, the woman who trained all the kids on American Idol. And I let her beat me up. You know, I sat in her studio for hours and hours, and she hired professional interviewers to interview me and, and ask me really difficult questions and then do interviews with other people. And, you know, and I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it. Like, we could do this whole interview right now. You don't even have to say a word. I could just do the whole thing. <laughs> That's how much practice yeah. I've had doing this. I mean, that... I mean, I would talk myself out of a job at that point. Uh, the The thing I noticed, I, I did a little bit of research on you, is your overall. Even though you're you're out here, you're doing all this stuff. You're um, you're really into your leap charity, which we could touch on in a bit. You're really into fitness as well. So I look at that, and I'm like, this is a very disciplined person. This guy knows how to basically lock in 
focus on what he wants. And I feel like discipline is, is transferable. You can take that, that discipline you had at UCLA and then apply it to fitness. You could take that discipline from fitness and you could apply it to pretty much anything you're doing. Like uh, the example you just made in terms of, Hey, I'm not that good at TV. What do I have to do? How do I exercise this skill and get better at it till I, I mastered it? How, how do you feel like you can, you can teach that someone watching this, how do they figure out how to lock in? You know, it, it, this is something I tell parents all the time. It doesn't matter what you tell your children. It matters what you show your children. You know, my kids grew up way different than I did. You know, we grew up poor, like poor, you know, and um, my kids didn't. But I didn't want to raise these spoiled little brats, you know. So I took my kids on humanitarian mission trips all over the world so they could see poverty at a level that doesn't even exist in this country. And they learned how to help people from a very early age. And I see, I see them doing that, you know, and this wasn't one of these like lessons that I taught them. It's something I showed them, you know, and so hopefully students who come to my LEAP program can see what I do and they'll be inspired to emulate that. You know, my goal is to help them have the best life that they can have. My goal is to help teach them the skills that they need to know in order to really succeed and excel. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when I stand in front of them and I tell them stories about me and my life, I'm not doing that to brag. I mean, I, I, I don't need to spend a whole week doing that. I do that because I teach kids copy genius. I got where I got by copying other people who were way smarter than me. So, you know, if, if like, for instance, they always say like, Dr. Bill, how do you get 1.3 million people on Instagram? Well, I'll tell you how I do it. I copy genius. I look at all these successful Instagram accounts and I do what they do and then just try and do it better. And I hire a team of people to help me propagate that. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, one of the best lessons uh, a student can learn is to copy genius. If you start up a business or want to start a business and you're sitting back saying, man, I, I, how am I going to make it successful? Open your eyes, find a business that's doing what you want to do and then do it better. So once, once someone's found, because you and this is two questions in one. You're you're a dentist, but I I look at you as an entrepreneur. You with um, what you've done with Zoom, which is like I believe the number one tooth whitening system in the world. You've done millions, if not like you know billions in sales with. Um, I believe you guys uh, acquired another company at some point. How how does one copy genius with less than desirable resources? And I do want to get into the Zoom thing in a bit. Well, here's the thing. Having resources is as easy as turning on your computer today. You know, I mean, we didn't have computers growing up. We didn't have cell phones. There's no excuse today. You know, uh, one of my friends, 
is a 35-year-old billionaire. He's one of the wealthiest men in Russia. He moved here now, but he's from Siberia in a, actually a little area called Perm. And he started a company. And you know what he did? Back in 2002, he Googled. He was on a dial-up network. He had to pay 50 cents an hour to be on this network. He Googled, how do you make money on the internet? And the recommendation was to start a money exchange program. What's a money exchange program? Well, every time you use Venmo or PayPal or Apple Pay, they make a little percentage. It's not a lot. It's a little. But, you know, when you make a little times millions and millions and millions of sales a day, it becomes a lot, you know? And in March this year, we were sitting in a meeting and his bank called him to say, you are officially our youngest billionaire. He's 35 years old now. And all he did was Google how to make money on the internet and then did it. And he did it better than anybody else. So, you know, you have these resources. So I don't think that's an excuse like less than desirable. You have resources, you know. And the other thing I tell students, the most powerful three-letter word in the English language, A-S-K, ask. Ask. People will help young people succeed. Not everybody. Not everybody. But a lot of people like to help young people succeed. So, you know, what do you lose? Just ask. So, I mean, touching on that and the whole resource thing, you were a dentist. Um, please walk me through the, the thought process and you're starting the, the Zoom tooth whitening system. So the thought process was this, you know, in 1987, 1988, tooth whitening enters the market and the initial product was horrible. Tastes bad, hurt, it was in plastic bags, it didn't look good. I mean, everything, the directions were janky, I mean, everything. And even back then, People were paying $800 for a kit because everybody wants white teeth, right? Yeah. So I go to a charity event and I end up meeting a guy who has become one of my best friends. We're still best friends. And he became my business partner. His name was Robert Heyman. Robert is the son of Fred Heyman. Fred Heyman started Giorgio Cosmetics, 273. Uh, Robert had an MBA from Boston grew up in the cosmetic industry. He knew cosmetics, he knew manufacturing. And when I explained to him how bad these white sitting systems were, we decided to try and make our own. He had access to all these laboratories and chemists and a chemist can make, I mean, apparently perfume is really difficult to make and tooth whitening products are not. And so we had the Giorgio you know, um, team behind us making samples getting them tested we got everything approved um you know by by um the the powers that be that needed to it was never considered a drug so we didn't have to go through the fda but there were regulatory things that we needed to comply with with which we did and we launched nightlight on the market and you know we we launched the company with with one employee 
and then two, then four, then six, and eight. Our first year in business, we did two million. Second year, four million, eight million, 16 million. We grew and grew and grew and about 76 million. We kind of plateaued and couldn't get past that. And um, fortunately, that was the year ABC asked me to be on Extreme Makeover. And that year we did 101 million and then 136 and then 200 and it grew and grew and grew. And at a certain point we uh, acquired Bright Smile. We, we bought that company. So our company then owned all the IP for in-office light activated tooth whitening. And we grew the company from zero to $1.3 billion in sales before we sold it to Philips in 2010. That's an amazing story. You identified a hole in something, like you were saying before, copy genius. You saw something that was being done, but not being done as best as it could be. And you locked in, you did it better. And wow, over a billion in sales. And like I said before, any one person, I think if I accomplish that, I'm I'm a pretty ambitious person, but I, I don't know. I think I could rest easy, like, you know, over a billion in sales. That's, and then you, you take it a step further and you're into philanthropy and you do so much for, for kids and for, for, for different people. What prompted you to, to start leap? You know, my mantra for life is learn so you can earn and then return. If we leave this world without having made it a better place shame on us and for me that's what it's all about you know i mean the greatest part of having money is helping other people have a great life too you know because otherwise what you sit in your castle and you count your goal and that's no fun you know leap is a motivational leadership program for high school and college students that teaches them skills to be successful and the thing that's so so powerful is that i ask all these amazing business leaders and entrepreneurs and celebrities to participate in leap and they all come for free mark Wahlberg, um, um, richard branson um, um, jason alexander Anthony Hopkins, Paula Abdul, Kathy Bates, Eva Longoria, uh, Usher. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on, and on. Michael Strahan. And they all come and they participate for free. And, you know, they share the secrets of their success, their struggles and how they overcame them. And, and, um, and, and the students love this. And we try and help the students find mentors. We, 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 the program culminates on Friday with a mentor workshop where we have a hundred different professionals sitting in the audience and the students get to sit there and ask them questions about, you know, their challenges, their careers, how they overcame them. It's a really, really phenomenal program. If you're a parent watching this, um, please go to our website and, and see about signing up your students. It's uh, www.leapfoundation.com. Our next program is July 18th to the 24th. Oh, no, that's 2021. It's July 17th to the 22nd for 2022. Um, and um, it will be at UCLA in the dorms. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I love and, and, you know, kids that come back year after year say, Dr. Bill, Leap Week is my favorite week of the year every year. 
where did this this giving spirit come from? I mean, I I know you said you you grew up um, poor, and sometimes people have that, and they're automatically like, okay, once I get out of here, I'm never coming back. You, for some reason, you're you're dead set on not only giving back to to the place that you came from, but you're you travel and you're you're doing things like you know in in different countries. Where where did that spirit come from? I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid in high school, um, one of my teachers, Mrs. Clement, who's still alive and I'm still in touch with, uh, would would take our class and go do Thanksgiving and Christmas for impoverished families in the area. And, you know, I saw how big an impact that made on these families. And that was probably the first time I really saw it. I mean, my family was not well off enough to give away money to anything, but, you know, we could go and, and decorate trees and make you know, ornaments and cook and things like that. Um, and then when I started Discus Dental, you know, my partner, Robert Heyman, grew up in a very, very wealthy family. And from the, the inception of the company, we gave millions of dollars away to different charity groups. And I never even knew that that was something people could do. Um, and, you know, we continue doing it today, both of us. You've probably heard this, Michael Jordan of dentistry. That's that's a that's a crazy title, especially if you've seen Michael Jordan play. That's not like that's one of the most flattering, especially if you're a basketball fan. Michael Jordan of anything is yeah. incredible. You know, Oprah said to me, "Doctor Bill, you've had a career unlike." any other dentist in the world i mean you're featured on you know two primetime shows you're a new york times best-selling author you've raised over 45 million dollars for children's charities and she's all uh, she goes what what inspires you to think so far outside the box now this was in you know 2006 and that phrase wasn't even part of our lexicon at the time i, I had never heard it and I literally looked at Oprah and said, what box? And we laughed. I mean, I think that really exemplifies my thinking for my entire life and career. I don't look at boxes. I don't look at walls. I don't, I just do, you know, when somebody tells me, no, that's the beginning of the conversation. You know, I know, I don't accept no, you know, there has to be a way to make it. Yes. And, um, I think that's, that's a really integral part of the success I've had in life. If you wanted to stop after Oprah said to me, you could have just walked out after that, that, that in itself is probably the craziest ways to start a sentence. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Listen, there are so many things in my career that no other dentist has experienced. And it, like, I, I get a phone call randomly. I'm in Italy at my friend's wedding asking me to go to, I can't tell which, a, an Arab country and treat the king. Like, I'm right there. I, I, like, I, I, I'm like, well, okay, we can work this out. When do you want? They, they said Monday. And I'm like, 
Monday. Like, do you know what I would have to do to? And they said, just do it. The king really wants you. So we made it happen. And he was so grateful. He donated a million dollars to my Leap Foundation. Wow. <laughs> Who does that? I mean, it's like these things happen over and over again in my life. And I just pinch myself. I'm like, I, I can't believe them. It's, but I think a big part of why it keeps happening is that I don't say no to things. I, I'm always open. I'm always looking, I, you know, and I always think, you know, there's something bigger and better around the corner. Do your kids get how incredible it is what you do like i i do some pretty amazing stuff nothing like what you have going on and it's sort of casual they treat it casually maybe because they're used to it do your kids get that like you know you're treating kings and you're hanging out with oprah do they sort of wrap their minds around that this was so sweet so my daughter georgie was with me in in, in um in italy while this whole thing was happening and when she heard me talking about, you know, they said, well, how do you want to be compensated? I said, you know what? <clears throat> it, for me, it's not even about the money. You know, I said, can you make a donation to my foundation for kids? I said, yeah, we'll donate a million dollars. And she said, dad, that's the most baller thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and no, it's, it's a pretty, <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty baller. That's a really So, I mean, my kids get it, you know, uh, you know, I'll tell you something, even when my kids were little, like two years old, I used to make my wife bring them to my seminars where I would have, you know, 5,000 dentists attending a seminar. And you think, well, that's crazy. Why would you sit a two-year-old in the audience? Because I wanted my kids to know that their dad was not like other dads, you know? I mean, I tried to be present for every single thing in their life, just like my parents were. I mean, I heard my mother scream every stroke I took in, in, in the water when I was on the swim team. You know, every time you turn your head to breathe, I heard, go, go, you know, and I wanted my kids to feel the same thing. I was at every single event they had, except when I was contracted to be out of town. And I needed them to understand that there were things I would commit to a year or two years in advance that would prohibit me from being with them all the time. And I didn't want them to be bitter and just think that I didn't care because I did. I just couldn't change some things. And so, you know, I felt it was important. Plus, I also felt it was important for them to see me in a different capacity than just as, you know, dad. So they, they understood more about what, kind of like what drives me. That, that sort of brings me to a place. And I was actually having a conversation uh, with a friend of mine the other day. Uh, there are so many wealthy people or um, you could say rich, wealthy or celebs, uh, billionaires, entrepreneurs who uh, have gotten into this conversation of, 
leaving an inheritance behind or leaving money behind for their kids. And a lot of them are saying, hey, yeah, I, I might not leave anything to my children. I want them to make their own way. Or you have some that are like, oh, no, I've worked really hard. I want to leave this wealth behind so my kids can live comfortably and continue to grow. What's your take on, on that? I have a very close friend who's incredibly wealthy. And he is leaving nothing to his kids for that same reason. You know, he feels his kids need to make them. And I just looked him in the face and said, listen, my parents are not leaving me anything either because they're poor. <laughs> if you were my dad and you were worth $100 million and you died and I go there to hear them read the will and you left me nothing, I would not bury you. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I'd be so pissed off. Um, I mean, and look, it's not for me to judge. I'm leaving everything to my kids and I'm leaving money to charity as well. I mean, I want my kids to benefit from my hard work and, and the wealth I've, I've acquired. I'll leave money to charity as well. I'll leave money to my siblings, to my parents. I mean, everybody in my life, you know, I like sharing, you know, um, and you know, I think if I had the kind of kids that were just a waste of space and not doing anything, I would probably not want to leave them much, maybe enough just to live on. But thank goodness, my kids are awesome. I mean, my, my, my youngest twin, Georgie, just started her own clothing line. So if any of you have daughters in their 20s, go to shopallmylove.com. S-H-O-P all A-L-L my love.com all one word and buy Georgie's clothes. It'd make me super happy. You know, my daughter Charlie is uh is working in an advertising agency with influencers. And my daughter Anna is a scientist working at a COVID testing lab trying to, you know, keep people healthy and safe. And so I yeah, I'm super proud of all my girls. Oh, I mean, that actually makes me feel good. I, I actually am a, a dad of four girls as well. Um, only one of them wants to be an entrepreneur kind of following my footsteps, but the other ones I'm, I couldn't be prouder of. And the idea of walking away from this life and leaving them nothing is it, almost like, what was the point? Why, why did I work so hard to acquire all this just to, I guess, have right. them start from scratch again? How old are your daughters? So um, my twins are going to be 15 in January. My middle one, who's the, the entrepreneur, and she's more tenacious than, than the, the other three. Um, she just turned 13, and my youngest is 10. Well, send me your twins this summer at LEAP, and we'll turn them into little entrepreneurs. That's, that that's, would be awesome. That's, that's my sweet spot, my friend. That's yeah. my sweet spot. Um, yeah, and I'll tell you something else. And not many of my friends can make this statement. My daughters always date the sweetest, sweetest guys. Like my, all three of them, like if they were to marry the guys that they're with right now, I'd be super happy. But they never have brought home like jerks, like a guy where I'd be like, oh, no. I mean, they really date nice, nice bright guys that have like their head screwed on right so i'm super happy about that too 
I'm terrified of the day they bring someone home. I, I don't even, I don't know how I would handle that whatsoever. Yeah. It's funny because my, my ex-wife and I got divorced um, and we live in the same building. Uh, we're best friends. So she lives downstairs on the 17th floor. I'm up on the 30th floor. And, um, you know, when the girls turn like 17, 18, and they were in relationships, I'd go over there sometimes. Well, I go over there a lot, but I go over there sometimes like kind of early, you know, like eight, nine o'clock in the morning. And the boyfriends would be there. I'm like, why are there boys here? <laughs> and my wife said, look, would you rather have them sleeping in cars? <laughs> I'm like, well, no, but you know, my wife is German and um, she just grew up very liberally. And so I, I kind of had to bite the bullet. So, um, but I will say my daughters have always been amazing. I mean, really, really great girls. And uh, in fact, Georgie, I'm going to share something with you. I don't normally do this when I'm doing this. Georgie um, is my youngest one. She's the one that does shop all my love. Um, yeah. I started a nutcracker collection for her when she was a, a baby, and it's grown. So this is oh, wow. the uh, the nutcracker collection. We got nutcrackers galore all over the place. And every year we add three or four more new nutcrackers to the collection. Um, and uh, so the, the nutcrackers are out right now. And getting ready for the holidays. Yep. So how do you, you're, you're such a busy guy, right? And this is a, a question personally for me, just figuring it out. How do you balance being a dad and getting so much done. I'm, I feel like even though I've, I've really gotten to a place where I never really thought I'd get to in my career, I still feel like there's, there's so much further to go and I'm trying to balance that and being a dad. Uh, like how, how do you, how'd you figure that out? Uh, I mean, I, I call all three of my girls every day. I check in with them. I mean, you're lucky because they live with you, you yeah. know, so mine are all grown up and, and out of the house, but I, I call every day and, um, you know, I, I schedule time to take them to dinners and to be with them. And, you know, I make an effort and they know it, you know, and on my birthday and, you know, on holidays and they say, you know, dad, what can we buy you? Cause you have everything. I said, don't buy me anything. Just write me a nice card. And they do, you know, and, um, you know, that, that means the world to me. And, uh, I schedule time to take them on holidays. Every year we go on two nice holidays. I mean, you just have to make the effort to be there for them, you know, and I'm very thankful that they, that they want to be with me. You know, because there's a lot of kids that just don't like hanging out with their parents. So, you know, that's that's really important to me. So and I'm telling you this as a doctor so you can like 
scold me and tell me I'm making a horrible decision. Everything sort of on my list of priorities, everything comes before working out. I see that you're a workout guy, like you're, you're enthusiast. You're, you're pretty much on top of that. I don't know where you find time, but that's probably the first thing I sacrifice. I try my best to eat well, you know what I mean? And stay on top of that. But I always sacrifice working out and being active first and it's like, how do you manage to balance all of that on top of being an entrepreneur, on top of being on television, on top of being like, you know, this dentist to not just celebrities, but kings, which is insane. I'm, I'm I just do it. Later on. Every, every day I go to the gym for an hour. I make time every day to be there one hour. I just do it. Um, you know, and on days when I know I'm going to have a really busy day, I might be there at five 30 in the morning, you know, on days when I don't feel like getting up that early and I'm going to have a long day, I might be there at seven 30, eight o'clock at night, but I go every day. What, what's next? You've, you've done almost everything I can imagine someone doing You're you, most people would have basically thought you want to be a dentist and that's sort of like the, I guess, lowest rung of, of being a doctor, but you took it and you turned it into this amazing career. You're the best at your, your, your career choice. You've done it for celebrities. You've done it for people who have also been the best in their field. Uh, you've, you've done everything. You're with the philanthropy, you're running this, this organization that I definitely want to talk to you more about. What's next? What is there left to do? Well, I'm launching two new products next year. So keep your eyes peeled. They're going to be Definitely. awesome. Um, the first is a novel new whitening product. Uh, they're like crest white strips, but they dissolve on your teeth. So the strip vanishes, stains vanish, and poof, your teeth are white. So they are called poof tooth whitening strips, spelled with three O's, P-O-O-O-F. Uh, that way we own all the social media and everything on it. So that's one thing that you'll see. And the second thing is I love caffeine, but I hate coffee. And um, I don't like those little power drink things. I don't like drinking before I work out. So what I started doing was using caffeine, no dose, 200 milligrams of caffeine. And I found if you chew it, it works really well. But if you swallow it, it takes like 20, 30 minutes to work. So I would chew it up with a gumball so it didn't taste so bad. And then I thought, eh, I'll just make caffeinated chewing gum. So we're launching that as well. And so uh, keep your eyes peeled. They're called Buzz Balls. Um, I'm looking forward to checking those products out. And it's it's been an honor and a pleasure to to sit down and talk to you, uh, Dr. Bill. Uh, Dr. Bill Thank Dorfman. You, sir. Thank you, it, sir. You've inspired me the same way your your doctor friend inspired you earlier. I, I actually kind of got this entrepreneurial rush just having this conversation. So I guess you have this meeting to go to. I'm going to go find some work to do. Hopefully uh, we, we get to do this again. Yeah. And send your daughters to leave. That would be awesome. I'll, I'll follow up with the email. All right. Good talking right. to you. Thank you. Great talking to you, too. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Catalyst Case. This is Reg, and you're listening to Thought Hack.